Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about purchase application data and the positive news we've gotten to end this very volatile year. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah Wheeler, it is wonderful to be here. And I got to tell you, as a data nerd geek, this is probably one of the most exciting days of my life in terms of now looking at aggregated data in whole and uh, what to make of it. Well, okay. Well, don't keep us in suspense. What is the big data that is making you so excited? Existing home sales came out today. Um, the waterfall dive in demand that we've seen uh, this year uh, replicates what we saw in, during COVID. And one of the things that I've been trying to convey to people on social media over the years is that you know, a traditional seller is a traditional buyer of a home. The so-called inventory spike, the sexy headlines of, you know, mass inventory hitting the marketplace, everything. That was a historical anomaly event that we saw in 2006 to 2011. And that was basically what, what I call forced credit sellers, distressed sellers that couldn't buy homes. So that traditional seller that I always talk about uh, that would buy a house isn't there. So it allows inventory to elevate, skyrocket, and stay there for a protracted level. Now that we've had two different events within a three-year period, one was due to a pandemic to where people just stopped behaving traditionally normal. They wouldn't uh, consume a house for a few weeks. Uh, here, uh, 2022 uh, is, is a different event in, in terms of mortgage rates spiked from 3% to 7.375. That's a historical anomaly event. doesn't happen very often. And because of the nature of these two wild events, it's created these waterfall dives in, da in data without inventory skyrocketing. Uh, today, NAR data, fourth straight month of inventory decline. We're at 1.14 million. If mortgage rates hadn't moved from 5% to 7.375, that secondary move that we saw within a year, which is historically an abnormal event either, total inventory would have been near all-time lows going into 2023 because we have actually an outside shot of breaking below a million on the NAR data. Uh, this existing home sales report is now old. Uh, because we've had a, a shift in purchase application data now, which is seven weeks after mortgage rates have fallen from 7.375 to 6%, 6, uh, 6 we now have enough data to look that the housing market, like the Federal Reserve says, can be stable in a sense that you don't have like forced uh, inventory uh, selling or something to that nature. Uh, but the lack of new listings is really a big uh, driver of weakness and demand like we saw during COVID, like we're seeing here, because this happened after the end of June uh, of, of this year. It's complicated with the mortgage rate situation, though, because you say, okay, if, if we hadn't had this, we would have had even lower inventory. But we know that the mortgage rates suppress the inventory in, in different ways, too, because people don't want to list their home for sale. So explain that to me. 
Now, now for me, it's 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 a it's a little bit different. I believe inventory can traditionally rise, but only rise through weakness in demand and accumulation. Um, er, you know, earlier in the year, uh, Mike uh, Simonson from Altos Research, now part of Housing Wire, uh, we did a podcast interview, and one of the things I talked about is that we can get total inventory levels back to 2019 levels. Uh, nationally next year. We we see that in, a, in some parts of the U.S., but it needs rates to stay high for a longer period of time so inventory c- can accumulate. And what's happened recently is that uh, the seasonal d- uh, decline that we see in inventories are, is occurring right now, and it's also running against seven straight weeks of positive uh, purchase application data, which has now increased the bottom end Demand. We had negative forty six percent year over year. Now we're negative thirty six. So we've had a ten percent move from the bottom. That it hit on, on paper that doesn't look like much, but that's actually a material shift in terms of stabilizing the data lines because purchase application data is so forward looking that it won't uh, catch up to any of the recent sales data. In fact, we probably won't even see this in the sales data until February and March. But we actually found a bottom that we bounced off of a little bit. Uh, And we're working from such a low level now currently that we're running into the period in time where the seasonal demand usually always rises. If rates go lower, you know, going to next year, you have that stabilizing impact uh, for housing data. So earlier in the year, you thought that interest rates in the 5%, 4 to 5% would, would cool things off. Didn't happen. Then interest rate mortgage rates got into um, the sixes, and that definitely slowed it down, right? That definitely had some cooling. Then we had this little brief period of time where it went back into the fives. This was maybe August, September, and we saw some pickup. What's going on right now with mortgage rates, and what are you seeing in you know in in the market? So mortgage rates peaked at seven point three seven five. Then after November CPI report, uh, it started heading lower. Um, and then we had a second CPI report that was weaker, so it started uh, getting uh, towards six percent. So we basically had a almost really a one and a quarter percent move lower in rates. Uh, we saw this happen earlier in the year. Uh, it, it it created uh, about three weeks of positive weekly data growth, but then it just shot right back up uh, to uh, uh, seven point three seven five. When I talk about mortgage rates at four to five percent not doing the damage, it, purchase application data started going negative when that occurred. It just I had anticipated about eighteen to twenty two percent year over year declines in the data line, and we were getting mid single digits to high single digits. That's not big enough for what I thought it would do, considering how much home prices have gone up. So I was always mindful and leery about that. This is why you know. Um, it, during April and May, I said, "Man, it, we, we need rates to stay high. If we're if we want to stabilize the housing market, rates can't go back down again." Uh, because, uh, and what I'm seeing here is that literally, if rates didn't go to seven point three seven five, we'd be kind of somewhat back in the same area that we uh, uh, were at the start of the year. So we the the total the edit using the NAR data the all-time lows are about 860,000. Uh, we're about 1.14 million right now. So we're still a couple as hundred thousand As far as homes away. for sale? As yeah, far as homes uh, for sale? Yes, active listings for sale. So 
because rates went up to 7.375, it also created something that I, it's not a good thing for housing. New listings data started to decline. So you don't see the influx of inventory that people would traditionally see when they when they see weakness in demand. And now that this has happened twice since 2020, we can actually see how well off homeowners are uh, to where they just no, um, we're not we're not moving, and, and they don't need to. And I think so much of the housing discussion after 2012 has been based on this mythical story about what we call a scalable inventory, where demand falls down and inventory would just skyrocket like we saw in 2005 to 2008. And I always tell people, total inventory levels were actually growing from 2000 to 2005. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, it was growing. It was the FOMO credit boom that we saw during the housing bubble years that were keeping monthly supply suppressed under five months. If you didn't have that kind of fake demand, uh, a monthly supply would be much higher. Here, we have a totally different case. Demand is all legit. I mean, there's no credit boom. I've, I've always said this. I, the, the big One of the biggest things I disagree with everyone, there was never a sales credit boom during COVID. We just basically had a trend growth higher uh, with purchase application data. And we only had one year purchase application data growth, actually, from 2020 to 2021. We didn't have uh, any kind of uh, sustained growth in 2021. But um, it really shows how complicated the housing market is right now, because what do you do when homeowners don't want to sell? They don't need to sell, right? Uh, you have to be patient with inventory. This is why I always do the David Carradine Kung Fu gifts about be patient with inventory. It can grow. It can grow if, as long as demand stays soft. But uh, um, yeah, today today was today to me was like really historical in, in the sense of how I look at data. We've had now two official tests of having waterfall dives in demand without inventory really uh, scaling higher. And this also proposes a question for the Federal Reserve. If, now we're just doing a hypothetical here, if mortgage rates fall, let's say toward 5%, and people start buying homes again, and uh, uh, the inventory keeps on going lower on, on, the, on the active listings, what do they do? Like, do they come out and say, hey, listen, we can't have this anymore. We can't, we need, you know, we need housing to, and this is the complicated part of when you say housing reset, you have to give some kind of definition to what you want to see occur. So you can uh, give the American public a, a kind of, hey, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to do what we need to do to crash home prices and whatever, because there's a lot of confusion about that. And for my work personally, it's always been two things, right? We need total inventory to get back to 2019 levels, which is still historically low, but but a functioning marketplace, which there's parts of the US that are already down. Like I, I love the Boise market. I love the Phoenix market. I love any area that's 2019 because that's a functioning marketplace. The seller does not have uh, that much power anymore. On the national inventory side, we're not there yet, but um, the days on market growing today was so happy. I was so ecstatic to see that the days on market are now 24 days. I mean, that's been my thing since uh, 2020. Days on market being a teenager is a terrible housing market. That is not what you want to see. Uh, and we saw the chaos in prices, uh, not because 
demand was booming. It's just we literally did not have enough product and we forced people to bid against each other. Now that rates have come high enough, days on market is growing. This is a positive, And I'm hoping this is something that the Federal Reserve is, is, is looking at as well. Like that is what you want to see. Days on market going from 24 days, actually from 18 days last year to 24 days is a positive trend. It means the market is stabilizing itself. And you don't have to worry about what we saw you know, uh, uh, in early 2021, that uh, these these forced bidding marketplaces get worse and worse. So fascinating day on the existing home sales report now. What do you hope the Fed takes away from um, the data today? Do you, do you think they should look at it and say, see, it's stabilizing. This is what we wanted. We can uh, we can be confident that the things we've already done have worked or, you know, what is it? What do you think their takeaway is? <sighs> So first of all, I think the Federal Reserve has to acknowledge that housing went into a recession in June, right? Uh, and a, a recession means demand is down, production is falling, uh, jobs are being lost, and incomes are being lost. That is traditionally what has been common with every recession since the Peloponnesian War. The U.S. economy itself isn't in that stage yet, right? I think a lot of people front-loaded the GDP data early in the year. So the U.S. is in a recession, but housing is. We're getting to what it isn't like a balanced marketplace in the sense that active listings are higher, the days on market are over 30 days again, but we're heading in that direction. And you don't really have to worry about the sub 3% mortgage market uh, uh, um, marketplace uh, anytime soon. So just land the plane. Ease. You don't need to overreact. I mean, I was sitting here for seven weeks watching purchase application data show growth. And I'm thinking, is the Fed going to say anything? Is the Fed going to say anything? No, they haven't yet. Uh, uh, because housing is in a recession. What you don't want to see is that, well, purchase application data is positive. Again, we might sell MBS. We might do. You need to just like understand nobody is going to change their life for the Federal Reserve. Um, people are just going to do their things every day now. People have to have a functioning marketplace. We're working our way back to an area that is starting to look normal. Take that as a victory, right? Take it as a victory. Don't be the old slow turtle and just not look at forward-looking data and realize that the growth rate of inflation is falling, that rent inflation is really not that bad. Just you know, you don't you don't have to crash the plane here. Just take the victory. Rates are already up. We're in such a different place today than we were in December of 2021 uh, that you don't have to push the pedal at this point. Just kind of endure. Take a look at the data, um, and we'll take it from there. But it it is a, it is an interesting uh, uh, situation now. Now that we've had. Just you know, getting rates from seven point three seven five to near six percent that the marketplace changed in that in that regard. So when you look at twenty twenty three and inventory, which you've already talked about a little bit, and you think about okay, this is how many homes are for sale, and you know, mortgage rates spurred uh, more purchase applications, right? Lower lower rates are you know spurred demand a little bit, but is if the if the seller, a home seller is a natural home buyer, how do you account for like, okay, yes, we want those people. It's, how do you account for them in the situation with inventory? Like how, do, how does that work out for the, for the spring, especially? 
Well, you you really you really need to see you really need to see new listings data grow year over year. Uh, COVID had collapsed, of course, because nobody was listing their homes, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, hey, everyone's alive. Let's list our homes and sell. Here was a, a different phenomenon in the sense that mortgage rates shot up so much so fast that it changed behavior like it did in COVID. I mean, that's that's the thing, and th- this is the almost kind of the frustrating aspect. Uh, uh, the U.S. economy is acting like a third world country where rates are moving around like crazy, like it's some exporting country that, that the dollar getting stronger creates all this. And it just got so sloppy. Right. And I think I think that is something that hopefully people could understand why if rates had gone up to seven percent in a slower fashion, you could have had a little bit more of a functioning marketplace but because they shot up so much so fast. The American people looked at Jay Powell and said, nah, not going to do it. You're not going to force me to sell my home to be homeless. Don't care. I've got a mortgage rate that's very low. My life is great. you know." Um, and that's a detriment to demand. And now we have literally two waterfall dives in demand, and they correlate to new listings data actually declining. Um, where let's say a, a good example is I always like to you know, get people to think about the housing market in 2018 and 19, where mortgage rates got to 5% and everyone freaked out. I mean, every male in Twitter, which traditionally I would say it's kind of soft anyway, um, they literally thought the housing bubble was crashing in 2018. And what we always believe is that educated people read, right? They don't burn books, they read them. So what happened was that since nobody read in Twitter, and this is a ma- this is a male thing, women don't women don't do this. This is like Twitter men. Purchase application data wasn't even negative that year. We had like three very mild negative prints. So they were talking about the big bubble crash. And I've always said that housing crash addicts are all anti-central bank people. All anti-central bank people hate everything and they're getting older. So here we have a different situation. We have purchase application data noticeably negative, just like we saw in 2014. But in 2014, total inventory got to 2.3 million active listings, NAR. We are sitting here on the verge of breaking under 1 million. Uh, uh, and that is actually, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I cannot believe, even me, even the guy who has told everyone the inventory data does not move like you think, that with the purchase application data growth now, there is a shot for total active listings to get under, I can't believe I'm saying this, under a million again. Um, and it's it's... You could have a you could have a weakening pricing market, of course, uh, uh, if demand is is getting hit terribly. That's what we see. This is why I've always tried to get people to think 2018, 19. Don't use the six month supply rule or anything like that. If 2018 and 19 data was actually really getting worse, we would have seen uh, uh, negative pricing in, in housing if it if it kept with duration. And it didn't have any duration, and it didn't really get that bad that year. But here, you could see that. You could have total listings very low, monthly supply, you know, very low, but the pricing mechanisms are, are based on what active sellers need to need to do to sell the product, and uh, it, it's just such it's such a different housing market that people were trained or learned to over the last three decades. That if you don't show people the pathway, right, it'll be confusing in that sense. So we've been talking about existing home sales, but. On Tuesday, right, um, you wrote an article for Housing Wire on on the census data on starts, 
permits, completions. So any help from that from that uh, uh, area coming to the housing market? The only positive data line in that report was that housing completions grew. And uh, uh, and again, for us as a country, we need more rental units to come online because the growth rate of inflation in terms of shelter inflation is already, I mean, this is a very good, this is a very good thing. The Federal Reserve has basically cried uncle on the rent inflation. They created their own index, uh, the Cleveland Fed did, just to show that, okay, yeah, rent inflation is cooling down, the CPI lags. So thank you, all the nerds in Twitter, uh, that all of us that were pushing this story this year, because the Federal Reserve does watch, right? Uh, and uh, all of us that were highlighting this is the case, they have finally cried uncle and said, okay, you're right, shelter inflation lags. They are no longer looking at shelter inflation in terms of a driver of core inflation with CPI uh, in the sense that it's constantly growing. Now they're looking X shelter food and energy uh, and looking at the service uh, uh, inflationary data. So that is a positive. That is a victory for Twitter and every one of us that was pushing this on Twitter, because for those that might not know, it was um, when I went on CNBC on September of uh, a CPI inflation report, they say, hey, listen, shelter inflation is still going to kick up here because it lags, but next year it should be a different story, right? And now more and more people are understanding this. I think that's a positive and housing completions helps that, right? We have, we're going to have near 1 million rental units coming online next year, right? Of course, you know, uh, a lot of housing units are, are, are destroyed every year because they're too old and you have to replace them. But, but that, on top of what we see right now, that's what you want to see because it, 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 the Federal Reserve is now looking at that. Completions are a good thing. Housing permits are falling. Housing starts are falling. The, the cycle's over, right? Um, but if we can get all these completed homes, we're, we're so lucky that the builders actually uh, overextended on that uh, because they wouldn't have done this. They would not have been building the, the some of the homes already that are, uh, that are under contract with demand being hit so much. But get them online. It'll be good for the rental inflation story. That'll be good for rates uh, and good for the economy uh, uh, next year. So no help coming from that, basically. And, and what do you think, what is the mortgage rate situation have to look like and for a sustained period for builders to say, oh yeah, we're going we're gonna to start building again? The rule of thumb I've always had is that the builders do not build or do not issue new permits when monthly supply is over six and a half months. Um, we had the weakest housing recovery ever recorded in history in the previous expansion. And everyone kept on saying, well, why aren't the buildings building more? Well, their monthly supply data was before between 4.4 to 6.4 months. That's good enough to just slow and steady. But once you get above six and a half months, they're done, right? They just, they just won't issue any more permits because that's too much supply for them. Rates have to come down enough for that monthly supply data to get below six and a half months and for new home sales to grow again. And they need that with some kind of duration before they start changing, right? So one of the interesting aspects of this week is that the Builders Confidence Index came out. It broke to all-time lows, or not all-time lows, it broke to the all-time lows of this year, near COVID-19 levels. But the one data line in that report that was actually positive was the forward-looking six-month sales data. That, again, forward-looking data housing, it's there, right? Uh, you just have to know how to look at it and how to interpret it. So not only has purchase application data been better the last seven weeks, 
For the first time, the builder's confidence data, which looks forward, right? Uh, that's positive. So while the builder's confidence index is still falling, what we've seen in every housing cycle turn is that that six months forward looking data line starts to get positive first, and then the builder's confidence rolls with that. This again is all about rates at this point. If rates go back up to 7%, it's a problem. If rates get back down to 5%, wow, that changes everything because everyone was just assuming that rates had to get back down to 5% to have the brief uh, positive data lines that we saw already uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the day lines, but it just getting back to six brought some people back. So for right now, we see stabilization. The bleeding has stopped. Today's existing home sales report is, is, is too old, right? It's not catching the forward-looking data. So we'll see how this turns out, but it, it does look, if mortgage rates fall back, I mean, this is a choice, right? The Federal Reserve is choosing this. They can, you know, this can change uh, if they wanted to. Now they're still in, you know, we need to fight inflation, kill inflation, kill jobs. All They're still in that stage. But if that changes, right, housing market changes with that. Uh, it's not the marketplace that we saw, you know, in uh, 2020 or 20. There's so much home price inflation that's still in there, but the bleeding has stopped for now. Uh, uh, and that's how everyone should look at the forward looking data. Where are we on home prices at, you know, we're, we're towards the end of December here, right? Where did, where did home prices end up this year? Well, it looks like home prices are going to end r- roughly at 10%. For the year, uh, I mean, the the we had such a strong early on uh, 20, uh, 2022 data where we're running at twenty percent. Uh, the median price of the existing home sales this report was a year over year was three and a half percent. But we've had so many uh, months of the year uh, above ten percent. You know, seven to ten percent is where we're probably going to end up. Pricing got negative. When mortgage rates, you know, above six, above seven, uh, uh, and that's again, to the, the sellers needed to lower their price to get it through. That's a functioning marketplace. I this is this is this is what you want to see. Uh, you want to see a functioning. That's I think one of the positive stories in 2022 that people don't understand or people don't appreciate. That you know, there's always a fear that if inventory is so low, you can't get some kind of effective price, and we we see that with with rates. Uh, getting to a certain level, uh, four to five percent mortgage rates weren't doing it, but you know six to seven percent rates did, uh, and that's just buyers and sellers. That's what you want. You always want a functioning marketplace. What happened during COVID is that total inventory just broke to all time lows with rates getting to all time lows. That's a problematic situation for price growth. We have to find some kind of stabilization. So that that to me is actually one of the better data lines that we've had in the second half in housing that you can have a functioning buyer seller market. Uh, even with active listings low. So we'll see how this looks like in a few months because, you know, February and March is when we'll see some of these data lines, uh, these this recent uh, uh, rise higher in purchase application data. But we could clearly see 6 to 7% mortgage rates uh, brought the monthly data down uh, more aggressively than we've ever seen in, in, in recent history. So the rate factor is a valid premise Again, the affordability index got blown up. Even my affordability index got destroyed in two years. Uh, this is why I've always highlighted that 
The 10-year yield can break above 1.94%. The housing market changes well. That happened and the home price growth model crashed together. So they correlated 100% on in time, actually, right in March. But uh, it, it's, just a, it's just a fascinating year. And the positive outlook, again, as always, is uh, when you lend to the capacity to own a debt, your household balance sheet looks great. And that is such a positive thing. That's such a victory for the United States of America. So many people for so many years talked about how people were going to run to the markets and everyone's going to sell and for, you know, never happened, right? It didn't happen. We're now trailing in inventories falling now uh, just because the homeowners say they have choices. That's what you want to see. It's their choice. Their financials are good enough. They don't have to uh, be forced to sell anything. So are we, are you saying that we are ending 2022 on a more positive note than you would have thought. We are ending 2022 on such a positive note that I feel like everyone should be a little bit like mindful that this happened very quickly and snuck up on everyone. That a lot of 2023 forecasts that have been already done did not account for mortgage rates falling to 6% and flipping the purchase application data. So I, I, I'm going to put an asterisk on everyone's forecast that didn't uh, account for this because that is, a, that is a material change. This is actually why I wait to the end of the year to do my forecast because I never want to be in a position where the market turned on me uh, in the calendar year and then I, I don't have it in the, in, in the, in the forecast. Uh, uh, and that's what happened. I mean, we we were heading toward negative year-over-year data. I mean, we were, uh, you know, one of the things I've talked about over the last few months that purchase application data was was trending to a point to where we could have negative fifty-three to fifty-seven percent year-over-year declines, adjusting to the comps and adjusting to the trend. That was early in November, and then the CPI data report got weaker. And then the mortgage rates started to fall and fall. And then the market turned, right? The forward-looking market turned. So people are now looking back at old data and they're thinking, okay, okay, look at this. This is good. It already changed. And this is what happened during COVID. This is what happened in 2018, 19. This is what happened in 2014 and 15. This is what happened in every turn in the cycle. The forward-looking data stabilizes first. And then uh, you need about 14 to 18 weeks of uh, of this data, of purchase application data to really uh, turn for it to be, uh, have more weight. But seven weeks is good enough to call it a start. That is exciting. And I am happy to have that news at the end of the year. Of course, we have another uh, podcast coming out. We have a couple more uh, before the end of this year. So I will check back with you on that. But Logan, thank you so much. And thanks for walking us through why today was so important. Yes, yes. It seems odd to have like, oh, existing home sales have fallen, you know, bigger than Mitch people thought. But there's a story there. And this is why we always say, be the detective, not the troll. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. 
Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.